Apple presents Meet the Author. We'd like to welcome this evening's special guest, Brian Smith, to talk about his brand new book, Secrets of Great Portrait Photography. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. So thanks for coming out uh, this evening. I'm delighted to be here at the Apple Store talking about my new book, Secrets of Great Portrait Photography. It actually, it was a project that got started right here in New York with a couple talks that I did at um, Photo Plus Expo. So it's nice back, being back here talking about a book that I couldn't possibly do in two, uh, talk about in two hours. Now we get to talk about some of the highlights from it. So one piece of advice I put out there for everybody there, whether you're a pro, an aspiring pro, or just someone who loves to shoot photographs, one of the biggest keys to shooting great portrait photography is learning how to connect with your subject. One of the reasons I wrote this book is there's so many books out there on the market that give you all the technical details like f-stops and lighting, and they kind of miss the whole crux of what's important about portrait photography, which is making a connection with the subject. And one of the great lessons that I learned, I started off as a newspaper photographer shooting for the local newspaper when I was in high school, and took my portfolio into the biggest newspaper in the state thinking I could land an internship. And the chief photographer looked at the work and just shook his head and said, you know, you're never gonna make it in this business unless you learn to photograph people. All these portrait, all these action shots with the telephoto lens show me nothing other than you can focus on action. So go out and photograph 50 strangers in a way that reveals something about them. That's what you need to do to be comfortable working as a photographer. And it's the best advice I'd ever, ever been given. And it's something that I continue to do this, these days, like a portrait shoot. Um, we, were, we were in Kathmandu, so I started photographing the some of the faces of the, the holy men of Kathmandu. I just love photographing people, and it's like, to this day, love the opportunities to go up to people, introduce myself, and do portraits. And one of the other things that you want to also pay attention throughout is the importance of, of scale and moving in and out when photographing your subjects is not always shooting from the same vantage point. So, you know, here's an instance, whether it's for a book, whether it's for a wedding album, or you just want v vacation pictures of your own, it's like shoot at different vantage points, like full length, coming in tighter, giving it some variety. And I love shooting on location because it's like, you know, even a plain, plain wall in the background to me is so much more interesting than seamless paper or, or a psych in a studio. It's just, I love that little extra detail. And I, a, lot of, a lot of the projects that I do and portraits really basically boil down to this, this very exercise. Here's a project we've been doing on and off for the last two decades of um, the Legends of Burlesque. So backstage at a lot of the shows, we'll do portraits of the different women and men. And it's really a lot of fun. So I think that's what an exercise like that teach you, teaches you is how to, how to bring out somebody's personality when you've got, you know, three, four, five minutes to do it. And it even plays into a lot of the celebrity work that I do. A lot of times when I'm photographing celebrities, the, the ideal is when I've got a couple hours with them, but the reality, a lot of times, I may have five minutes or 15 minutes 
And it's kind of getting experience to where when you don't have a lot of time, you can still bring out the subject's personality. So this, this was actually created as a, a giant mural for Photo Plus up here in New York two years ago. This is a project I did with Sony and the Creative Coalition, Art and Soul, where we photographed um, ultimately 123 celebrities from the arts and had them in their own handwriting write what the arts meant to them. And as this was getting close to publication, uh, I was asked to, to make a big 10 by 16 foot mural for Photo Plus Expo. And the way that I did it, I decided I'd do a grid of the people and suddenly as I was putting it together, I realized the exercise I was talking about, shoot 50 strangers. Well, here's 50 celebrity strangers right here. Um, and there's their portraits. So, like I said, it's something that will, that will always pay off when you don't have a lot of time. For instance, Dule Hill was photographed for this project, and I usually like to do a little bit of research about the person, not really so much their filmography. I'm looking for that kind of obscure thing that we can talk about for five minutes, something they don't get asked about all the time. And one thing jumped out when I was reading about Dule Hill is I never knew that he loved to tap dance. So I asked him about tap dancing, and he said that his mentor and idol growing up with Gregory, was Gregory Hines. And the biggest honor he was ever given was being asked to tap dance at Gregory Hines' funeral. And as he's telling me this story, he goes, you want to see? And so he proceeded to tap dance for me in, in sneakers on carpet and did a hell of a good job. Um, and that suddenly opened him up to doing, you know, more creative things. So I think sometimes finding that, finding something to talk about for five minutes, 15 minutes that you've got these people brings out that personality. The next thing that I think is really, really important, I shoot a lot on location. And so on environmental portrait, the place is often just as telling as the person. You're adding an extra element of depth to the photograph, and I think you know, one of the great things that way is you can make the, in, the images that much more compelling by w what you see in the background behind the person. This is uh, Alejandro Sanz. He's a Spanish Grammy-winning singer available on iTunes. And um, we were photographing him, and they, when I showed up for the photo shoot, they took me into a room with a couple gold records on the wall and said, here's where we do all the interviews. And it was like, you know, it looked like the place they did all the interviews. So I, I just, do you mind if I look around the house? And I looked and there were all these other great locations. So I went back to his manager, said, you know, I'd love to shoot with his gr white grand piano. And like, yeah, of course. Um, he had artwork there. I wanted to shoot at the front of the facade. So the agent was delighted and he said, let's go ahead and do it. And We'd done five shots, and one of the things you always want to do is if you're ever planning to get somebody wet, you save that for the very last shot. So we're in our sixth and final shot, and at this point, he's had a great time. So we get to the swimming pool, and I was starting to explain later in the, for this shot, I'd love to at some point get you in the water, and as I'm telling him that, I hear a splash. So give, some, give people something different and um, you'll make it more interesting for them as well as for yourself. This was a portrait for ESPN the magazine. They do 
lots of portraits of athletes, obviously, so you're always looking for something different and unique. And you know, I was under time constraints. I had um, an hour with Darius Rice, so you know, I could shoot him on campus, and I've got a full hour in the basketball court that he plays in every single week, and he's going to be bored after 15 minutes. So, you know, I just figured I'd find something off campus that works within the time frame. I found a, a court under, an, uh, under a freeway 20 minutes from campus, do the math, 20 minutes at each direction, I got 20 minutes to shoot. At least it's going to be an interesting 20 minutes to shoot. And it actually paid off because he got there and he and his manager thought it was so cool that they gave us, we probably got 45 minutes, so I didn't really lose any time, but you make things interesting for your subjects so that they'll respond well. Here was an, here's an idol of mine uh, from growing up in the 1960s, Jack LaLanne. Anybody who grew up in the 60s remembers Jack kind of kicked off morning television with, with the first fitness show. And um, on my list of people that I always wanted to photograph, Jack was at the very top. So I was headed out to California and made a few calls to his, to his manager, sent some work that I did. Um, she said, um, you know, don't be offended. He gets three of these calls a week. He always turns them down, but we always show him. Five minutes later, I got a phone call from them saying, Jack wants to know when you can be out. So it's like he was into it, I was into it. And so for the last shot of the day, he lived in Morro Bay, California. I wanted to do kind of a, the landscape that said where, where he's from. So there's these beautiful rocks, Morro Bay, the Morro Bay rocks. So we planned to do a shot at dusk and got them there early, you know, found our spot, got it lit, waited as the lights sort of dropped down. And never as I was picking out this background did I expect to actually discover as I look at the images that the Morro Bay Rocks is actually the third bicep in this photograph. So, you know, sometimes you just get lucky that way. It's just, you know, prepare and put yourself in a good position to be luck, lucky. This is Jeff Gordon. So you expect to see Jeff Gordon at a racetrack. That's pretty ordinary, but you don't expect him to be standing in the middle of the track wearing a suit. And I spent the first 10 years as a news and sports photographer. I don't really do that anymore. But one of the things you learn shooting reportage is to anticipate moments as they're about to happen and take advantage of them. And I noticed as we were setting up, his tie was kind of flapping in the wind. So as we got ready to shoot, I just had the stylist pin his tie up so it looked like the breeze was blowing. And I could have waited for that to happen again, but then I'm paying attention to the tie instead of Jeff. It's just, you know, take that variable out of the equation and, you know, take advantage of something that you just happen to see. Here's Gene Hackman, one of the true gentlemen in the, in the industry. We were photographing Gene for a cigar aficionado cover, and after knocking out all the cover shots, which are always inevitably, you know, very, very tight portraits, I wanted something to do something different, and the hotel he was staying in had this marvelous chess set. So with these oversized chess pieces and just shooting from a very low, low angle and kind of capturing all that, um, you know, just gives it a different whimsical view. And it, actually, it kind of gives you an idea of, 
you know, Gene's great sense of humor, which doesn't always show through in the films because a lot of times he plays a tough guy, but like I said, he's one of the sweetest guys in the industry. Here was a portrait shoot for a Canadian magazine. Uh, Vincent Le Cavalier was about to be named to the Canadian Olympic hockey team. And one thing about athletes is they're, for the most part, very superstitious about what they do. So he wasn't about to wear a Canadian team jersey one minute before he was, it was actually announced. So we were kind of, we were kind of stuck because they didn't want the, the magazine didn't want him in his NHL jersey because that wasn't really the story. So again, sort of like the Jeff Gordon shot, we decided to put him out in the ice on a suit, wearing a suit. And um, I got to do one of the cool things you get to do uh, as a still photographer is I got to ask a Zamboni driver to do what I asked him to do. So I had the Zamboni go out and actually the back of the Zamboni looks like a shaved ice machine. So they dumped some of the shaved ice out on the uh, on the, the rink and what I wasn't expecting is Vincent skated up and immediately grabbed a chunk of ice like it's the puck. So it's, you know, kind of get the, get the props there and then let your subject take it the rest of the way. Here's Jason Biggs from American Pie. I shoot a, a lot of covers for a beer magazine called Draft and um, Jason thought this was really funny doing this picture sort of I thought it was like, you know, kind of a play on words about drinking somebody under the bar. And he, he was kind of laughing and I was like, you know, what are you laughing about? And he says, no, it's good to see somebody come down to my level, um, meaning American Pie actors. So, and, and just in case you believe that LA photo shoots are um, outrageously expensive to shoot, um, the, the gentleman right next to Jason is the art director. Um, Kevin Robbie, who worked for free, and our other two models cost us a grand total of one beer apiece. So you still can get good talent in Los Angeles at a good price. This is um, a Forbes magazine shoot of Calvin Ayer, the uh, CEO of a uh, online gambling site, Bodog.com. Photographed this down in Costa Rica with uh, a bunch of models hanging out his pool, which is pretty much, you know, what billionaires in Costa Rica always do. And this is from our cover. This is one of the uh, most fun shoots I've ever done in my life. Photo flying down to Necker Island to photograph Richard Branson for the cover for a Time Magazine story on Virgin Galactic. And uh, Richard had already signed off. Our, our concept for the shoot was about as good a pitch as I've ever heard, which was Richard Branson in a spacesuit in the Caribbean. So I was pretty much sold on it. He was as well, Richards. Um, absolutely wonderful if you give him, if you come to him with a great idea, he'll uh, recognize it. And he immediately signed off on it. We flew, this is, um, their, their spacesuits have not yet been designed. So this is actually a prop spacesuit that we got from a Hollywood prop house. I think it was used in Apollo 13 and that, was by far the most difficult thing to get down to the location. So uh, my idea, I went out the day before, scouted, found this great location, and that night at dinner, Richard leaned over and asked me what I wanted to do, and I said, I'd love to shoot you out on the windsurfing beach, which he knew what I meant, and I'd love to get it as the sun's coming up. And he got really quiet and leaned over toward, toward me and said, Brian, the sun comes up at 5.30 in the morning. 
So I was about to backpedal and say, don't worry, we can shoot it. You know, what's comfortable for you, we can make it look like first light. Before I can get another word in, he said, so the two of us should be on the boat at five. So, you know, that's when the photo gods are smiling upon you, when you've got a billionaire on his private island, wearing a spacesuit, getting on a boat at five o'clock in the morning. And by the way, this was Christmas Eve morning. So... And then one of, the, one of the other things that's also important, as I photograph a lot of businessmen, and it's like the most deadly picture you can do is an executive in their office is just boring. So I had an opportunity to photograph the vice president of Burger King. Um, he's, he's actually the guy on the left there in this. Um, so here he is with, with his friend. And my idea was when I had the two of them together, I figured I had to have some fun with it. So I wanted them sitting in a Burger King having lunch together and they explained, you know, timing is really tight and even though there was a Burger King, you know, a few blocks from the headquarters, they wanted to do it in the company cafeteria. And I said, but it's really important, I want the guys eating Burger King food. And they said, well, don't worry, that's all we serve in our cafeteria. Isn't that lucky? Yeah. Yeah, you're all applying for a job there right now, aren't you? So here they are. It's just kind of literally here's a case. The photographer, your job is just basically to set the table for them and let them do their thing. And the other thing that's really important is when you have these concepts that you want to tell is you can, they're worthless unless you can sell the idea to your subject. So a lot of, a, a lot of photography is... Um, in the words of Glengarry Glen Ross, always be closing. So this is, um, this is the amazing Randy who um, won a MacArthur grant for basically exposing psychic frauds. And I was photographing him for Esquire. I'd photographed him before, but obviously the stakes go up. It's like I wanted to be a really, really cool shot this time for Esquire. So I proposed this idea. I said, I, I want you disappearing in a photograph. And he said, that is by far the worst idea I've ever heard. I hate it, I won't do anything hokey. Get out of my house. I was like, well you like the last picture so let me show you what I meant and I did, I did one test shot on a, a Polaroid, I was shooting film at the time, on Polaroid so he could see what I was talking about. Where we did one photograph lighting him with strobe and then I had him very carefully get up from the chair without moving it and I did a second exposure of the same scene with, with just um, tungsten hot lights spotlighting the background so it sort of looked like he was disappearing. So it, it's a case, you can't necessarily tell somebody what you need to want to do, you've gotta show them. And as soon as he saw it, he's like, you know, I actually like that. So we did 30 shots and we were done and it worked out, you know, just like we'd hoped. Another thing to bear in mind is as an assignment photographer, your, your, your first responsibility is always to make the client happy, and that begins with fulfilling their shot list. And on this photo shoot for Sports Illustrated, it literally was 16 shots long of all the pictures they wanted a boxer, Christy Martin. And toward the end of what was a very, very long day, we'd finally crossed off all the, all the shots on the list. And, it, and I realized like at that point that I basically shot for all the ingredients of a good photograph, but 
I had not yet created one on my own. So it's kind of like the difference shopping for groceries versus making a meal. I just, I, at that point, I was like, can we do one more shot? And at that point, she really looked like, you know, looked at me as though, you, you know, I do fight people for a living, right? And so sort of resigningly, she agreed to do one more picture if I did it quick. I did four shots on four by five film, just kind of the classic, you know, boxer pose, which was not one of the 16 pictures I was asked for. Um, ship the things off, one of the keys, like whenever you want to convince somebody what the best, best picture is, you put it at the top of it. So this was four by five, it was at the top of my film. Same thing, doing a web gallery. Make sure it's the first images. I got a phone call 10 days later from my editor at Sports Illustrated who said, congratulations, you've got the cover, and it's not even one of the pictures we asked for. So, you know, there's, there's an instance where like those four extra shots um, got me the cover of the magazine. Years ago, we were photographing Bill Gates for the cover of Business Week magazine, and they kind of had an idea of business magazines always did back then of sort of a, a visual pun where they wanted Bill to be the master of the digital universe. But then again, it is a cover and it's Bill Gates, so who am I to argue? So we had a star background flown, flown into the location and I was kind of talking this over with my wife going into the shoot. She's the stylist I always work with on shoots and you know, we were just thinking it's like at, at this point, the only pictures you've seen of Bill Gates is he's wearing a, a sweater vest and a blue button-down shirt. So it's like, that just is gonna look ridiculous in front of the star background. So we brought along a black turtleneck. His assistant came down to, you know, in advance to make sure we were ready for him and what we wanted to do. And we explained the concept and showed her the black turtleneck. She said, he'll never, he'll never wear that. That's not his thing. But she took it. And lo and behold, 15 minutes later, Bill Gates walks in wearing a black turtleneck. Donald Trump is, is people always ask, is, is it difficult to photograph someone um, with, shall we say, confidence about themselves? And I gotta say, people like that are photographers' dreams. Because really when you think about a photo shoot, it, is all about their favorite subject in the entire world. <laughs> Themselves, yes. So on the shoot of Donald Trump, we went in the day before and again, working with my wife, we found, we saw this wonderful statue and started thinking exactly what all of you are thinking. Donald Trump, angel wings, of course. Of course, it makes perfect sense. But to finish the look, she realized like all the suits that she pulled for him, dark suits, just wouldn't look right. So she called up the store, told them to cancel the entire order and give them every single white suit they had in his size. So he showed up the next, the next day with eight white suits and his people just absolutely freaked out. They're like, oh, he'll never wear a white suit. He's, he, he doesn't wear white suits. Um, I don't know why you only brought white suits. He's gonna hate this. Realizing, of course, you know, if he really hates it, he's got a, you know, whole mansion full of clothes, so we're not out that far, but show people really what you want them to do. And of course, Donald being the Donald, walked in, surveyed the eight white suits, looked at us and said, white suit, you know, 
I've always wanted to do a photo shoot in a white suit. I think I'll look really good in a white suit. Don't you think I'll look good in a white suit? Absolutely, Mr. Trump, you'll look fantastic. Leslie Nielsen is the uh, actually first person we photographed for the Beer Magazine draft. And this was a shoot we were doing at his house. We had all these ideas for concepts, props, wardrobe that I wanted to do. And as I called him before the shoot, which is generally kind of rare, usually as a photographer you, you speak with somebody's agent manager, but you know, Leslie was one of the true gentlemen in the industry where it's basically I spoke to him. So before I could really throw anything out, he cut me off and said, actually I'd like to wear my tuxedo. I kind of thought about it and it's like, you know what? That absolutely works. So I was like, I think that would be perfect. So I kind of went with, with the idea thinking, He's kind of that bizarro James Bond anyway. It'll, be, it'll work perfect. And then there's the case where suddenly, you know, the stylist job is done for her, but it's not really done. It's, it's the small stuff. Sweating, sweating the small stuff's really important in portrait photography where the final piece of the puzzle is we needed him drinking beer, but if you're going to play 007, you've got to have the martini glass. So it was that, that last little $6 prop that cemented this deal and actually, because of this, this one shoot that we did, we ended up doing the covers of the magazine for the next two years. So, you know, six buck investment paid off pretty handsomely. Photographing the Bee Gees, I was very lucky to have photographed a lot of people that I've loved to meet over the years and they were pretty close to the top of the list. And as we were getting ready for the shoot, trying to figure out what we were gonna do, I, I kind of pictured that the guys lived pretty close to me on Miami Beach. I figured they had to have a room that was just nothing but all of their gold records. And, and when I told the manager that, he sort of looked at me like I was out of my mind. Um, but he's like, no, they don't, but they'll do whatever you want. So we decided to build a gold record room in the studio. So my wife and I created the set this is 100 records spray-painted gold all around them. And the guys walked in and had a big laugh from it. And a lot of times I get asked, it's like, couldn't you just shoot on green screen and create everything in post? And you could, except you're not going to get the same reaction. You know, there's something, there, there's something kind of magical about people walking in and being in the space. So I, I think whenever you can create it instead of, you know, for real, instead of just in post, you're ahead of the game. This is Dwayne White, more gold paint. This was, uh, we are photographing him for People Magazine, and I had, had a couple minutes at the end, so I wanted to photograph him with, uh, actually a prop basketball I had from a, a shoot with Shaquille O'Neal. So we brought, brought this along just to do something different at the end of the shoot, and one of, the, one of the really tough things to do is to get the right emotion out of your subject. It's, it's almost impossible unless you're photographing a trained actor to tell somebody what you want them to do as an expression and get that expression. You kind of have to plant the seeds in their mind. So as I handed this, this ball to Dwayne and he's kind of looking at it going, oh, that's really cool, that's nice. And I said, so I want you holding this just as though you're holding the top of 
the NBA trophy in a couple weeks, which the top of the NBA trophy looks that. And suddenly, like, you know, he's no longer thinking about a photo shoot. He's thinking about his first NBA championship. This is 2006. And two weeks later, they did indeed win the NBA championship. I'm not saying it was all me, but, you know, there's a little bit in there, too. So I just showed him the way. And for all the times you walk into situations that you have to create, go in with great concepts, all these things in mind, I think one of the things that's just important to do is to know when to leave a perfect situation alone. It's, it's kind of tricky, it's like, you know, on those instances you walk in to an absolutely perfect situation where you've been handed a gift from the photo gods, be smart enough not to screw it up. So we, we were photographing Jose Canseco. As I was about to set up, he said, well, hold on one sec, I need to go change. So we're setting up while Jose's changing. He walks out wearing pinstripe suit and matching pinstripe shorts and looks at me and says, what do you think? And didn't say it out loud, but basically what I think is the photo gods were smiling on me that day when you get Jose Canseco wearing an outfit that I could never convince him to put on if it was my idea. So, like, be smart enough when something like that happens not to mess it up. Same thing here with Keith Murray. This is a shoot for The Source magazine. Keith had um, just come out of um, prison for a barroom brawl, and The Source wanted this idea that he was suddenly at peace with the world. So they said they wanted him zen-like floating in the water. And I figure floating in the water means I better get a boat for him to be in. So we got a life raft, painted it gold again, found a location where he could be out in the water. Um, Keith came out, I kind of explained, we want you zen-like out in the water in this boat. Proceeded to go back in his trailer and do what rappers always do for about 15 to 30 minutes to prepare for every photo shoot. And he walked back out wearing fatigues. And he said, Zen, like survivor, right? And you know what? His idea was so much better than ours. Like, you know, it's like, I was so glad that I didn't explain in too much detail because he nailed it. It's like he walked out like he's, you know, just coming in from Survivor out in the water. And at this point, you know, we're rolling with it. He's having fun with it. So suddenly he starts sort of, you know, mockingly throwing punches my way. So we ended up coming up with all these great shots from the shoot just because, you know, I knew, I knew when to let the subject's good idea take over. This, oh, this is, this is the gold basketball shot with Shaquille O'Neal. So photographing um, Shaquille O'Neal for the cover of USA Weekend in the lobby of the Delano Hotel. He was going to be there for an interview, and I love shooting the idea of shooting at the Delano because they have this massive chair in the lobby that a normal person sits in it and looks like they're like, you know, a munchkin. But Shaquille O'Neal, it's like his size. So we're set up, and normally when you're doing photo shoots, you you basically, in a public space, you the kiss of death is having somebody come up and interrupt the photo shoot for 
a photo or, or an autograph. So we had it, the whole place kind of cordoned off with lights and silks and everything kind of blocking everything. But the word got out that Shaquille O'Neal was going to be there. And a couple of people kept circling the lobby because they heard he, Shaq was coming. So the one exception to never letting someone interrupt your photo shoot for a, for a photo op is when that person who wants to be photographed with Shaquille O'Neal is Jamie Foxx. You, you shoot the damn picture. So here's Jamie Foxx and Shaq. And it, I laugh every time I see this picture because we shot one frame and I'm sure Jamie thought I was doing like a tight headshot of the two of them. And as you can see, he's up on his tiptoes trying to get up to Shaq's height as if it really matters. I mean, it's next to like enormous person. So that always makes me laugh. And in terms of capturing pose, gesture, and motion, I mean, some people are really a natural with it. This is uh, indie actress Ellen Holman who came into the shoot, and basically I just had to sit back and let her do her thing. So it, it's like when you have a natural like that, you let them take over. But a lot of it is kind of a case of drawing out a pose gesture that maybe the person wasn't even expecting. And so for this, this portrait of Tim Daly, uh, Tim's the president of the Creative Coalition, and he actually was the first actor that I photographed out of uh, a total of uh, over 200 people we photographed for the Art and Soul book. Um, he was the per first person, and this is 10 frames into a project that would ultimately be 25,000 photographs. When we stopped for one moment, looked at the monitor, and saw this wonderful shot of Tim, which like even he came over and was like, wow. And it's like, I asked him later, because we've gotten to be friends, what he, what he really liked about it. I thought he just looked really good. And what he said is that he loved, that's the first time he's ever seen a photograph of himself that's not the actor, but it's really him. So I think sometimes if you can break people down and, and bring out that side of them, and this was also kind of a rare opportunity because for the photographs, it's so many photo shoots, have a huge agenda by the, the magazine, by the publicist, by the studio, by uh, God knows the photographer, that having a shoot that really our only agenda was we're here to support the arts was really freeing. And I think a lot of the stars were kind of transported back to the days, you know, before they had a, limos to take them everywhere when they used to go to their performances in mom's minivan. And I think it kind of was a magical process that I learned from is to not, you know, overthink a subject to the point you screw it up. It's like, you know, no one to give less direction instead of too much. And from the same project, here's Anne Hathaway. I had um, an absolutely magical hour with Anne photographing her in the studio. And the most, the only difficult thing about pho photographing Anne Hathaway is editing the the images afterwards because I think we shot 500 images and you know my first pass through we were like 470 keepers so it you know and and honestly there weren't 30 outtakes they were just like near misses so she's magical in front of a camera and it's like honestly just watching the take just the eyes alone there was almost a stage performance just in that 
Kelsey Grammer and David Hyde Pierce. David was one of the first people I photographed for the project and I had an opportunity to photograph Kelsey because a friend of mine was interviewing him for the Broadway channel. And so I showed up on the shoot. I had a, an iPad loaded up with all the images to, that I'd done to that to date. Oops, okay. That I'd done to date for the, for the project uh, including the picture of David Hyde Pierce so he could see something that it was pairing the portrait, Kelsey could see it's pairing the portrait with handwritten thoughts about the art. So he got the idea, immediately said yes, he'll do it. And we got him there and after 12 frames, he's like, certainly you must have what you need by now and started to walk away. And that's one of those moments of panic as a photographer, you wondered like, how are you gonna save yourself on this thing? And and salvage it, because I'm used to shooting fast, but you know, for God's sake, I want more than 12 frames of Kelsey Grammer. So I, I don't know what came into me, but I just kind of looked at him and said, yeah, I suppose we do, although, to be honest, David Hyde Pierce was so much better. <laughs> and the sheepish look on his face is frame number 13, where Kelsey has suddenly been, has suddenly been shamed by his co-star and upstaged by a peer. So use, use peer pressure to benefit yourself. It can be a wonderful thing. Speaking of wonderful things, there, there probably is no better th words you can hear as a photographer than having a photo editor from Sports Illustrated call you up and say, I have a photo shoot that's absolutely perfect for you. I mean, you know, I'll admit it. I, those words always get me going, but the only way I can possibly think that that phone call gets any better are when the next words out of her mouth are nudist golf. So we in fact went off for Sports Illustrated for two days photographing nudist golfers in Orlando, Florida. Um, honestly, one of those things that you just love the fact that you're a photographer when things like that happen. So. I always tell people when they ask if I shoot a celebrity, only shoot celebrities, as I say, I only shoot beautiful people, and that includes nudist golfers. So, some of the most fun you can have. Next point that I want to bring up, and the chapter that's really important to me, is the concept of less is more. I think so often we're concerned about what we're going to put in a photograph that I think it's important to take notice of often, it's just as important what you leave out. And here's, here's an instance photographing Andre Balaz um, from owner of Mercer Hotels, the Chateau Marmont in LA and the Standard, was opening up the Standard Hotel on Miami Beach. And as photographers, usually you show up before anything's done, so the floors were covered with plaster dust and really a mess, but he had these two amazing massive bronze doors hanging. And it's just like, wow, this would be a perfect background. So forget about all the other stuff's going on and just really focus on these massive doors. He walked in, saw this, you know, fell in love with our, our test shot of it and was, you know, suddenly we've got complete cooperation. So you get there early, find the spot, you know, get everything out that you don't need in the shot and tell the story. Okay, here's Don King. Um, this was a, a cover shoot for Forbes magazine. 
And for somebody like Don King, sometimes you don't have to show too much. This is, with Don King, it really all boils down to the hair. So I just wanted a great hair shot of Don. And um, he did his part. I had it, I had this backlit from both sides so the, the hair kind of glowed. But Don also did his part um, for, for the shot by, right as I got ready to shoot, Don was suddenly the stylist who brought out his comb, back combed his hair and said, get me on the cover, Brian, get me on the cover. So sure enough, his effort and mine paid off and we got Don on the cover of Forbes magazine. This is um, Warwick Dunn, photographed for USA Weekend. Um, this was from the same shoot that we did, Shaquille O'Neal. So this is again the lobby of the Delano Hotel and it's kind of all you know, whites and mahoganies. So rather than going the opposite with the color palette, I think a lot of times you can really make your subjects stand out by compressing your color palette where we, we just stuck to everything, the suit that we pulled, um, shoes and everything we've got are kind of in the, you know, the creams and brown colors as well so that everything works together and plays off itself. Lighting, I saved this for chapter nine because I wanted you to see all the things leading up to lighting. I think lighting is extremely important, but you really need to lay the groundwork before you get around to that because a well-lit, terrible concept is just a well-lit, terrible concept. So do all the stuff that leads up to that. And here is our idea here with Cindy Margolis. This was Entertainment Weekly and they wanted Cindy photographed a week from Thursday against a bright blue sky. And my God, if I could command a bright blue sky on command, I probably wouldn't be doing photography for a living. In Florida, we kind of have two choices of weather, um, sunny and pouring. So, you know, we, fortunately we, we did get sunny, but I couldn't count on it. So kind of what you need to do as a photographer is interpret what your editor means. And I took bright blue sky to mean they wanted a picture that was really, really colorful. So my wife, the stylist, came up with the idea that we're going to shoot her with these giant beach balls around her. So this is probably the most lights I've ever used on a shoot. I typically always focus on the key light first. Here is an instance. There is, there's still just one key light, a big octobank lighting her up. But each of the six big beach balls has a Profoto 7B head taped behind it, which is actually lighting the, the balls from the inside, but also holding the set in place. So it's kind of double duty. I always, I always like that whenever I can get twice as much work out of anything on a shoot. And then the, the final eighth light is lighting up the two small balls on the right side of the frame. So kind of lighting with a purpose. A lot of lights here, but really just one main light on her. So this will give you an idea. This is the big, this is the big Octobank on location. This is a host from the National Geographic Channel. They wanted her photograph for her book cover, Pink Boots and a Machete. So it's kind of a given we've got her in Pink Boots and Machete. And then they also want it in a jungle-like setting. The trick is like jungle-like settings are not that hard to find in Miami, but they're a devil to find them when they're well lit. So 
And this is kind of what I call sunlight on a stick. This is a big light stand holding an octobank where the, the light's coming in, lighting her up, making the shot work, just so you can kind of see the before and after. It's, you know, before we had beautiful background behind her, but she's dark. If I, if I open up for, for her in the shot, it's still, you know, still kind of flat lighting. It's not that interesting and the background's blown out. So it's just you kind of combine the two light sources, the ambient for the background and the strobe lighting her up. One of the most important things to think about when lighting is when you're deciding how to light is before you think of the how, think of the why. What do you want the photograph to say? What, what mood do you want to get across? In this case, this is a uh, burlesque dancer, Inga Anjanu. And we wanted it to look as though she was on stage. So one of the things you see on stage light is a lot of you know, big spotlights and fresnels. And it's typically, even though it's really beautiful light, when you break it down, it's a very hard and direct light source with very distinctive shadows. So we wanted that same feeling here. So here you got hard light that still is really beautiful light on her, but it makes sense. If you light this whole thing up with a big softbox, you completely lose the feeling. So kind of picking the light based on the mood that you want. And then the same thing here for this portrait of Jane Krakowski. We're photographing it for Parade Magazine and kind of wanted a fun kind of, you know, soft, girly feeling with her. So here the light's very, very soft, white background, and we're actually letting the background lights kind of bleed into her just to make it that much softer where, you know, she's just kind of angelic floating out in the middle of this. This is a Cuban boxer for Der Spiegel magazine. And for that, I, it's, I, a lot of times I don't want the lighting to take over. I just want it to look believable. Like I just happened to walk into the one boxing gym in the world where the light was good. I mean, boxing gyms always have like fantastic backgrounds, but they, they generally have one little flickering overhead fluorescent that's crackling through the chute and looks terrible. So I just, you know, went in and I figured, well, what if it looked like I just got lucky and there's a big beautiful bank of windows at just the right time of day? Sometimes it's just creating what, the look that you wish you had. And sometimes it's, you can use a negative and turn it into a positive. Here's um, Joe Maurer of the Minnesota Twins, and I had to photograph him at 10 o'clock in the morning. And in, in Florida, it's starting to get kind of harsh light at that point. But instead of fighting it, I decided to use the sun to my advantage and basically create a halo behind him. So he's standing in front of the, the sun, and the strobe's coming in and illuminating him. photographing Sports Illustrated ha Halloween issue of um, Darnell Dockett of Florida, at the time at Florida State University, where they wanted him photographed to look in a graveyard looking like the Thriller video, which unfortunately the reality is when you're photographing college and pro athletes, you, you don't get them at the time of day when you want them. I got them at three o'clock in the afternoon and Tallahassee, Florida at 3 o'clock on an October afternoon looks nothing like midnight, but we found one spot in the cemetery that was kind of filled with trees, so he was in shade. Then, 
you know, had planned in advance. I had the, the local assistant pick up a fog machine because, you know, every cemetery at night always has fog going through it. Um, if you didn't know, it is actually a national law. You have to have fog in every cemetery. Plus, it looks cool. Shot it with tungsten balance to the exposure. So, you know, you're supposed to shoot daylight balance at daytime, but breaking the rules can work out great. So we're shooting tungsten balance, so everything goes really, really blue. The smoke's backlit, and he's lit from the front. So kind of the lighting in this case was dictated by the mood that we wanted. Antonio Banderas, right before, this was so cool, it's right before he did his very first scene in a movie, and if you've ever been on a movie set, you'll know that like the PA assistant director are basically hired on the movie set to keep stars away from still photographers. It's, you know, the movie is just their secondary role, so we had all these people scurrying around saying, Antonio needs to be on set in 20 minutes. And Antonio was having so much fun, he said, well, so I have 20 more minutes for the photo shoot. So, dream subject, you know, just a case. This is actually shot at the Miami airport, which is um, not the most gorgeous place to ever do a photo shoot, but they had this really kind of cool glass block, so we just lit it, and basically that was our set. So, you know, here, here he is just kind of doing what he does good, posing. And what's really also important about lighting and when you set all these things up, just like I was talking about earlier, when something really great and magical happens, take advantage of it. So we were doing all these portraits in my studio and Sharif Melnick, a restaurant owner from Miami Beach, walked in for his shoot and right as they got him into um, wardrobe, this beautiful light started streaming through the glass block. So. We were set up with strobe, but forget that at that point, we moved the backdrop in front of the beautiful light and shot. So even as much as you prepare, it doesn't matter how many strobes you rented or how many strobes you set up, when something beautiful is happening naturally, be smart enough not to mess it up. Group portraits. The biggest thing with group portraits is finding a way to get away from making them look really formal. And this is, this is formal with tongue-in-cheek. Um, this, is, this is the Hogan's in, in their happier days when the show was on the air. And I said I wanted to do a portrait of the, them together in um, the, the daughter's room, and they proceeded to go out and put on their formal wear. So it's like, okay, I can work with that. That's kind of fun. But it works because it's them. Like in general, what you, what you don't want to do is like line people up shoulder to shoulder and you know, make it kind of dead and boring, which trust me, with the Hogan's, it's never dead and boring. But for this portrait of Crispin Porter Bogusky, they just landed the Volkswagen advertising campaign. This is a shoot they were being named Agency of the Year by Advertising Age. So they want them photographed with Volkswagens, but we kind of came up with this idea, it's like, they shouldn't just be posed with Volkswagens. Let's give them something to do. And we, you know, kind of mutually, um, the creative director um, from Crispin, Alec Bogoski, and I came up with this idea of having them wash the cars. And they didn't have time to really go away to a car wash, but fortunately they, they washed, somebody washes cars in the garage beneath their building. So we set the whole shoot up there. But we gave the guys something to do. They just weren't 
posing for the shot. And again, kind of working that near to far where they're not lined up shoulder to shoulder, it kind of makes sense that you've got foreground to background here. It just makes it more interesting. These are, this, this was really, I gotta say, this one was really cool for me. These are the inventors of Gatorade. So this was a Sports Illustrated, kind of one of those where they now, pieces that they do, where I photograph, I flew up to the University of Florida in Gainesville and photographed the guys in their original lab where, where they invented Gatorade. And so I, I want them with Gatorade, but you know, I don't just want them with glasses. I figure that they should all have beakers and flasks and that sort of thing. And then I also wanted the Gatorade to be like radioactive Gatorade. So I don't know if you know, you can actually buy powdered Gatorade that's supposed to be like, you know, one teaspoon makes four gallons kind of thing. I, I did it about like eight times the strength that it's supposed to be, which is why it's basically solid yellow there. And then, you know, also it's like, again, kind of the lighting dictated by what you'd expect to see in a lab, which is like, okay, maybe a little better than the flickering overheads. We've got a, you know, kind of a, instead of a green cast of fluorescence, kind of a blue cast on, on them, but just making it seem like we just walked in on these guys concocting their secret formula. This is a triathlon fashion shoot. Whenever I can, I, I try to photograph, when I'm doing any type of athlete shoot, I try to use real athletes because it just seems more real. Um, so these guys were, were all either distant swimmers or triathletes. And so you've kind of got the, the, the other thing there is you're dealing with people that aren't used to posing as models pose, which to me is great because it's like, I can suddenly like forget about all the model poses and just have them, you know, I just, my direction is you guys are getting ready to start a race, get in your, you know, get in your start positions. So that's what they're doing. This is off in the water from Key Biscayne. Late afternoon, but also like a little bit of light kicking in, you know, and again, kind of that near and far, so everybody's not lined up shoulder to shoulder. Same, same thing here, umpire school in Orlando, where they were practicing their strike calls, and so it's just I lined everybody up for the shot and show, shot from literally like lying right, you know, on, on the ground shooting up at them, which, you know, does a couple things. It kind of gives you that that's nice depth, but it also really cleans up your backgrounds because suddenly instead of seeing the horizon line sort of at, at mid-shoulder level, it's down really, really low behind the guys in back. Finally, you know, in post-processing, creating the look, sort of the digital darkroom, what, what we always used to do at the lab. I love it because now we can, you know, we can process, process things and reprocess things endlessly and you don't have to shoot things on three different film types, you just process them three different ways. So this to kind of give you the idea of like before and after of digital capture, the, port, the shot on the, the far left there of Richard Branson is the original like zeroed out raw. One of the great things to see if you checking your digital cameras to see how much detail it captures. Go into Photoshop and, and hit linear curve, which basically takes out all the cute, sexy things that Photoshop does to make 
an image look really cool. So that's the zeroed out version versus you know the final image that I've got on the right, kind of giving you the idea. What you want on that raw is something that holds a ton of shadow detail because it's always easier to add that contrast and look back into the shot afterwards than you know to open up an oversaturated or over-processed image. Portrait of Jimmy Smits. I wanted to give it a real film noir look, so this is digital. This is my digital version of Triax pushed on Agfa number five paper. So it's a, it kind of create these little looks and can apply them. This is my good friend Horst. He's an artist and uh, I had just been looking at some of Chuck Close's daguerreotypes and decided I wanted to turn him into a daguerreotype. So we did this portrait and, and one of the keys to that is, you know, paying attention to what you're looking at. Chuck shoots on a large format view camera so the depth of field is almost non-existent. So to do the same thing with Horst, this is shot with a um, Sony A900 and one of my favorite lenses for it is a is a Zeiss 85 1.4, absolutely beautiful Sony lens that looks gorgeous wide open. So this is shot wide open at 1.4, so you get kind of that same look with, with everything falling out of focus past the eyes. And then just, you know, a bunch, a bunch of steps in digital to kind of create this daguerreotype look where you go the sepia brown and kind of that little reflective solarization. Saving for the end, Light, lights, camera, and lens. What I will say about gear is gear is really, really important. Learn how to use it. Learn everything your gear can, can do and then put it out of your mind. One of the, one of the real keys to, to working as a photographer is not paying attention to what you're doing technically. Doesn't mean that the technical's not important, but it should be almost like a musician just like learning the scales, you learn all the techniques. So when you're doing a portrait, you're concentrating on the subject, not you know what your setting is, which light you want. It should be almost secondhand to you. It's you know work with work with less gear, work with fewer lights, get to know what each of them will really do. So here's some of the modifiers that we use, but we don't pull every single thing out on every shoot. Kind of pick what works right for the for the given job. And um, finally, do we, do we have a minute or two for Q&As? Sure, we can take a couple questions from the audience. We do have a microphone, so please raise your hand and I will come over to you. All right, in the back row here. Uh, yes, Brian, um, if, do you have any thoughts about if you had started your um, photography experience this year versus you know, years or decades ago, how you might approach things technology or any other insights? Well, I think, I think in terms of technology, it's probably never been more accessible for people. I think, you know, honestly, you think of some of the things that used to struggle through with, with film and uh, getting the, the immediacy of seeing what you shot and being able to adjust it. I think it's probably the biggest thing. It's like, you know, when I was shooting medium format film, we'd always do Polaroids at, at the beginning you'd get it till the lighting was just perfect and then look for where the subject ran off to at that point. It's like great to kind of have that 
spontaneous feedback now. So I think that's that's one of the biggest pluses. I think on on the far side, I think one of the really important things because of that that is really important to do is to slow down sometimes. It's like we all get this immediate feedback so fast that we can shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot that I think sometimes it's just as important to kind of work at a pace like we used to with sheet film where you know you take a breath between shots and you know really think about what you're doing and try to try to change things. Um, so you know work faster but work slower at the same time. We have time for two more questions. We've got one in the front row here. Hi, Brian. I just have a question. Do you have any advice for someone who wants to go into a computer office job and wants to do photography? Um, ad advice to do that? It's like, thank God that you've got a, a good paying job to pay the bills. Um, that's a great situation. I think, I think one of the things that you want to do is um, take advantage of your, your off time, whatever time you've got. It's um, you've got you've got the luxury of, you know, doing something that you enjoy probably during the day, and then enjoying your passion on nights and weekends. I think there's there's a lot of really great forums out there and and blogs like the Strobus that have uh, you know great exercises that you can do. Um, take advantage of things here in New York City, you know, whether it's events um, here at the Apple Store or that APA puts on. Last question. Oh, in the back center here. I'm just wondering now, because it's so easy to do uh, video, digital, if you uh, have decided to kind of maybe experiment doing some other kind of work uh, besides still photography. I, I can't tell you how many people have like been bugging me to get out and do video, and it's it's something I definitely need to do. It's something I wish I'd been doing from the start, kind of thinking some of the projects I've done, like burlesque, what I wouldn't give to have video shoots on all those things. Um, it it definitely is a great added skill. Um, I'm actually really excited. Um, Sony brought out a new line of uh, full-frame cameras with, with video capabilities that uh, I'm dying to play with the uh, Alpha 99 um, RX1 and uh, uh, VG900 that all make this stuff really, really easy and and give you give you the opportunities today that years ago you would have had to buy a very expensive or rent a very expensive cinema rig to get the effect you do from a full frame chip today. So I think it's I think it's great technology that now everybody has on their their hands. I just have to learn how to do it. Well, join me in thanking Brian for coming down and sharing his work with us tonight.